Hey, everybody. I'm back again. Uh, I am going to continue this conversation that I've been having ongoing for the last week. Uh, today, I'd like to talk a little bit about white people who claim to be colorblind. Um, so this is a thing I've been reading a lot lately. Uh, people talking about, I don't see color. Uh, this is how I was raised. Uh, and again, as I've said about other things, it, it's, it's an idea that sounds good on paper. I mean, if everybody felt that way, that would be great. Uh, the problem is when you're white and you are colorblind, you're actually doing the opposite of what you claim to be trying to do. Um, this kind of gets back to the topic of empathy. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with different people over the last week. I've also just listened in through radio and uh Facebook, different comment threads and things like that. And, and a common theme that I'm seeing is this idea of being colorblind. And it, it really correlates to a lack of empathy. Um, I've seen people comment things like, and I don't know if these statistics are even true. I don't know where they get them from. But for sake of argument, let's just say 99.5% of cops are not trigger-happy racists. They're just good, decent people. And I'm very may, very well may be true. 99.5% uh, of people are not racist and uh, don't see color. So if you're white, that's fine. But if you're black, that means that there's a non-zero chance that any police officer you come in contact with might be a trigger-happy racist. And... Through listening over the last week, I'm really starting to see that that's a perception that black people have in this country. And as a parent, it also extends to that fear towards your towards your children, making it home alive. So as a parent myself, um, I mean it's it's hard to imagine, but I can I can definitely empathize with what that must be like. And so, again, same sort of phenomenon with All Lives Matter, saying that 99.5% of people are good, non-racist people doesn't do a lot of good for minorities who are victimized by that small percentage. Um, it, it's, to me, it's much like the same rationale that people use for COVID. I mean, we're... We're approaching 109,000 deaths right now, but you've got people who comment that, oh, well, only actually 0.004% of the population will die from it or, or even be, effect, you know, be infected. That means that 109,000 people are dying, but it also means that all those 109,000 people also know people. They have friends and family, husbands and wives and children that are also affected by the loss. So even if you don't personally know somebody who has died from COVID, surely you can you can have some empathy for the people that have. And it, it's the same thing. It's it's interesting that these are both things that are happening in our in our world right now. But uh, you need to step out of your own reality. 
you're white and you don't see color, that's great. But if you're black, you absolutely see color because it dictates your whole life. People just, I don't know what it, what, what it's going to take. I mean, I have to believe that, you know, oftentimes people that speak up the most are the ones that are the most upset about something uh, or the ones that just have the most outspoken beliefs. A lot of times it just means you're just doing more talking than you are listening. So maybe that's part of it also. The people that I'm hearing talk the most are the people that aren't taking time to listen. Um, I've I've definitely been doing my fair share of listening, but at the same time, um, the message I'm hearing from the black community is that they need people like me, people who are white, people who are privileged, to speak up on this as well and to to be the other side to that conversation. Um, I mean, I'm in I'm in the most privileged demographic there is. I'm straight white male, um, but I can appreciate the 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 fact that I I am privileged. I can accept that. And, um, it's just unfortunate that, uh, the fact of people not being able to recognize that is holding back on the, uh, forward progress of this, uh, 400 plus year long journey, uh, that America is, is going through. Um, you know, numbers can be misleading. Uh, they, they, you know, they say stats, numbers don't lie, but they can definitely be uh, picked and choose for uh, for pushing forward the agenda that, that you want to push forward. Um, if you think that it's good that 99.5% of uh, cops uh, won't kill you if you're black, that also means that half a percent of them will. Um, you know, getting it back... For me personally, um, you know, we lost our first child, and I, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I, I haven't really told the story yet, and uh, I, I still intend to because, you know, um, child child loss is uh, it fits it fits in the tenth man um, concept in that losing a child and particularly losing a baby is a very taboo subject, I think, because it's just very sad and uh, uncomfortable, I think, to talk about because we as a society don't always deal with death really well. We don't necessarily know how to deal with it in reality. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole story right right now. I, I, I do intend to um, when I feel like the time is right, but... But right now, I'm just bringing that up because, well, a couple a couple of reasons. For one, the numbers part. Okay, so we're talking about 99.5% of cops are colorblind, right? So, oh, that's great. One out of 160 childbirths end in stillbirth. Stillbirth is when the, chi- the, the, the baby dies 20 weeks plus during gestation. So we lost our daughter at 38 weeks. So there's a 1 in 160 chance. That's a 0.006 chance. 
And the chance of uh, a miscarriage after 12 weeks, which is the first trimester, just from 12 12 to 20 weeks, is 1 in 1,000. So you can say, oh, well, yeah, that's a very, very low chance of that happening, but it happens for a lot of people. And the people that it happens to, it affects them, it affects their family and loved ones, the people that are close to them. And again, I... I'm not going to get into the details of my story with that. I I will, um, but right now this is about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and um, being able to find empathy. Why I bring this up is because the thing that I'm hearing a lot this week from the Black community is that they're they're tired of they're tired of this happening they're tired of the inaction that comes after it and they're tired of trying to explain the black experience to people like me who who don't listen and don't understand and don't empathize they're just tired they don't want to have to teach the white community how to not be racist how to have empathy how to see what's in front of their eyes. I can't, I can't relate to the black experience. Uh, I've never had a police point a gun at me. I've never been followed by a police car and felt concerned for my life. I've never sent my son out and thought that he might not come home. I've never walked around in a store and, felt that somebody was following me or, or heard uh, security make any kind of comments about me. But I can hear that story from other people. I can listen and I can understand and empathize with that experience, even if I haven't been through it. Um, I think we need to get out of this idea that if we don't see it, it doesn't happen. You don't see all the parents who lose their children every year, but but they do. And for me, where I can empathize with the black community, uh, in my personal experience, I've heard a lot about black people being tired, like I said, uh, not having the energy anymore to explain what they need. When you're grieving, uh, as, as a, a lot of people, myself included, for, for George Floyd, we're grieving for George Floyd. But when you're grieving, you don't want to explain to people what you need. You need them to be there and understand and, and empathize. When we lost our daughter, we always we we had people asking what they can do for us. I, I couldn't tell you what you could do for me. I barely had the will to get out of bed in the morning. Um, I, we needed people to be there to comfort us and to just listen and be a person that can be there to support us and. I think that's part of what's missing um, in this experience for the black community. I think that they're feeling 
that they're on their own with this, that uh, when this happens, we do things like what I'm doing right now. We, we talk about it. We, we talk about our outrage and uh, we agree with Black Lives Matter, but then we move on and uh, it just gets to be another thing that happened. You know, Eric Gardner, Flando Castile, Walter Scott. Um, I don't want that to be what this is. And I, I, I honestly don't think that that's what's going to happen now because the egregiousness of what happened was just so uh, unbelievable. Um, I, I'm still processing what happened. Uh, I think that even in myself that I was in a certain level of shock after witnessing the, the footage of what happened to George Floyd. Um, it's just something that nobody should, should ever experience. And just uh, the greatest injustice that I've, that I've ever seen that I, that I can think of um, to just have your life taken from you like that. Um, so I, I, I do think that this, this time may be different. I hope so. Um, it's going to take a lot more than just me sitting here on my soapbox, but Yeah, I think that uh, I think that this might be the start of something uh, moving more uh, more aggressively in the right direction. Um, it's unfortunate that it took this to get there, but um, yeah, just remember that you know when you're talking numbers, you know, we lost our our daughter. We weren't supposed to, but we did. Um, even as a, as a black man, you have a very small chance of, uh, being killed by the police when you go out, but you have a better chance than I do. And, uh, we need to recognize that. And the last thing I'll say when it comes to empathy and understanding, and this, this even gets into like interpersonal relationships, when you hear somebody share their experience, you don't have to see it or have experienced it. You don't even have to believe it. Um, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't believe it. You should. You should absolutely believe it. But even if you didn't, you can believe that that was their experience, that that was their reality, that it was real to them, whatever they're saying. And then you respond accordingly let's let's all try to do more of that thanks again for listening i really appreciate it and uh be talking to you again really soon remember don't be afraid to question the consensus